Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Blister Podcast, Gear 30. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister. And as always, you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Today, we've got two parts to the podcast. First up, I'm talking with Blister reviewer Sam Shaheen about the most unusual ski we've ever reviewed and the ski that nearly caused me and Sam to fight, the Renown Endurance 98. And then Sam and I wrap up with an update on the Scott Scrapper 115. Then I'm joined by Blister reviewers Sasha Anastas and Kara Williard to talk a bit about women's ski boots and the problem it can be for good skiers who happen to have small feet to find boots that really work for them. Having Sasha and Kara weigh in on this is pretty great since they are both good skiers and Kara also happens to be a very good boot fitter who works at the Boot Doctors in Taos Ski Valley. Sasha has just gone through a pretty extensive process of trying to find a new boot that really does work for her, so she and Kara talk a bit about that and why Sasha ended up going with the Atomic Hawks Ultra. Before we dive in, just a quick reminder that we are going to be back on snow in Telluride this weekend, testing even more new skis. So if you'd like to meet up with us and take a few laps together, we'll be meeting up on Sunday at 1 p.m. just outside of Wagner Custom, or you can come join us for an apres drink at the Peaks Bar and Restaurant at 5 p.m. on Saturday. And now for my conversation about weird skis with Blister reviewer Sam Shaheen. So Sam, our primary objective here is to uh, talk about this renowned Endurance 98. And I, I was also actually going to lead off with an apology to you <laughs> because, because of the like extreme yelling match we had uh, in Telluride about this ski. And I was actually thinking about this like, Man, it, in a way, that really should have been the podcast. And then I thought, actually, <laughs> it's really good that that was not that that there is no recording of that conversation or fight that I'm that I that exists as far as I'm aware. But as I was mulling over this apology I was going to make to you, I then remembered how our conversation actually got started. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember how it got started. Yeah. So, and it, it sort of. Sam spent some time on this Endurance 98, and uh, as you know, uh, you know those who listened to the last Gear 30 podcast we did or read my Flash review, the real stunning thing that I came to was like, holy, what the hell, I'm barely bending this ski that weighs like 1,700 grams and I'm skiing it just as hard as a head monster 98. And the, I mean, that's kind of where this all got started. And um, Sam was like, hey, uh, we were in a hotel room and he's like, hey, uh, you want to talk about that endurance 98? I just got done skiing. And then uh, I believe the, well, the modified quote was, basically, I think you're just a huge wuss, except you didn't <laughs> say <much>. wuss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so... Then, then everything escalated and, you know, no punches were thrown or anything, but, uh, you know, so I was going to apologize to you, Sam, but then I remember how that conversation started and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm off the hook. <laughs> so, but let's, yeah, you know, no, no, we're, we're cool. We're, we're cool. cool. <laughs> you and I are very cool. Uh, but this was, this was crazy interesting. And there was definitely in our yelling match, I was like, dude, you are insane. 
Like, you are crazy, and I don't trust you to review skis. I'm pretty sure that was an actual quote. That so, was a verbatim quote. That was a sure. verbatim quote. <laughs> so, say, like, I got done reporting on my initial time on the ski and was like, holy shit. Like, th- anyway, that holy shit is my two-word summation. You got on the thing and talk about what you experienced. Yeah, I mean, I think the my first takeaway was this is a ski I've I've never skied a ski that feels like this. And but the second big takeaway was this was a really fun ski. I had a great time on it. Mm-hmm. Um but the weird thing is is that it's it feels really narrow. It feels when at slow speeds especially it feels really soft and it almost had sort of like a neutral sort of surfy vibe almost freestyle vibe to the ski for me. And when I was like, granted, I got on the ski with like the mental, mm-hmm. the mental picture of Jonathan said, this is a super strong ski. I'm going to have to ski the crap out of mm-hmm. it. And so I was like, first lap, I was out pushing pretty much as hard as I could go. But when it kind of, it felt like it wanted me to be a bit more neutral. And when I was really pushing it from that neutral stance, like skiing fast and, you know, pushing carves as hard as I could, I was feeling like I could bend it pretty well actually but the weird thing is is that usually the more you bend a ski the more sort of rebound it has it wants to kind of rocket you out of that turn into the next one because you build up all this flex but with the renown it's sort of the exact opposite you know the harder i was pushing it the less energy it had the more damp it felt and that was really weird and then i got it in some bumps and stuff and it was really fun it was fun to kind of like make little pivot turns and slash and kind of pop around, which is, I know, totally not the experience that you had on that ski. Well, hence, hence our little yeah, um, yeah. skirmish. Well, and question, were you in soft bumps or firm bumps? Soft bumps, for sure. Okay. Granted, I skied it exclusively in soft, slushy, essentially ideal spring conditions. Okay. So... After our big yelling match and me literally saying to Sam that I do not trust you to review skis and that he was insane, which (laughs) jury's still out on the last part. Um, So then the next day I got back on uh, on the Endurance 98. This was uh, on Tuesday uh, at Telluride. And I'm still super mad at you and just think you are the (laughs) dumbest person I know. But honestly, I mean, you and I have skied a ton of the same skis and, you know, we have been, we're not lockstep on everything, but we have never, I don't think, had this radical of a difference of opinion. So basically, I got on the ski this past Tuesday and I was like, what is Sam talking about this fun? I think you were using terms like, I thought it was pretty easy going. And yeah. basically what I did was I just relaxed. And I think what happened on my first two days on that ski, because there was all this stuff, okay, here's this HDT, hyper damping technology, blah, blah, blah. And it was all about like how hard you can push this thing. And the story is the faster you go, I mean, again, to quote Cyrus, it's like you're adding sheets of metal as you go. So I was completely and utterly focused on the top end of this ski. 
And honestly, I think there's just a bit of a, this comes down to, I realized this past Tuesday, generally, if I'm on a kind of big, heavy, stiff, damp ski, I don't know why, maybe because this is what you just, one normally does, or at least what I normally do. You know, you start and when you don't have much speed, you're just kind of rolling ankles a little bit back and forth. It's things are super chill, but as you really start get going, and I think I literally said this on the last podcast, it was like, I was getting into, was the podcaster in a flash review as I'm like getting deep into the belly of the turn. I was like groaning or grunting and trying basically to overpower this ski to kind of you know, well, bend it to my will, but also just to get it to bend. And the crazy thing on Tuesday was I feel like that is entirely the wrong way to approach this ski. And what I did on Tuesday was I just relaxed. And as I relaxed and even hitting really high speeds, I just relaxed more than I think I ever would Um, when going that fast and making big turns on a ski, I kind of just relaxed and felt like I was less fighting the ski or trying to like, you know, we talk about waiting and unweighting a ski. Well, there wasn't that much unweighting going on. It was all about trying to wait the hell right out of this ski. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we've all seen the videos now, right? Like wrap this stuff around a glass bottle and start smashing it with a hammer. It's like, you can smash harder. It's not going to break, right? That's the nature of allegedly of whatever the hell is inside of this ski. And it was kind of interesting. The more I just kind of chilled out, this there's no question at mellow speeds, the thing is easy and you can work it back and forth. What I have never, or at least how I have never approached a ski is as I'm hitting, you know, 50 miles an hour plus, I kind of just kept relaxing, right? Interesting, yeah, yeah. I, I swear I've never done that on a ski. But it but then I was like, this ski just feels more compliant. And that still sounds a bit crazy to me, but 100%, there was a very distinct uh, difference in my approach to that ski on Tuesday, the last day I skied it, as opposed to like the three or four days I'd spent time on it prior. Um, the other, the other what, thing is uh, what kind of snow conditions did you, did you have on Tuesday? Firm. Like I was skiing it first thing Tuesday morning. And so, um, that was the other interesting thing. Like, and we actually shot some video of this. Um, I haven't, I haven't, <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if it's going to be very useful or instructive, but I was skiing the Endurance 98 back-to-back against the Head Core 99, and they were firm groomers. They weren't super soft, and as we've kind of already said, that Endurance 98 is not the shape of a pure carver by any means, and so what I found was the real limiting element of that ski on firm groomers was just the shape, you know, and I wasn't Mm -hmm. getting quite the edge hold. Um, I, there was not a problem at all of the ski falling apart at speed, 
But I wasn't totally trusting that, you know, as you and I talked about, there's not much of a shovel on that thing. It doesn't have a big hammerhead shape. So I felt like it was the shape that was the limiting factor of on the speed limit and on being really willing to lay over high edge angle carving. Not that, not the technology, not the HDT, not the dampness of the ski. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And that shape sort of, I think that's what kind of got me in this more neutral freestyle yep. vibe on the ski because it yep. really is, it doesn't have the shape of a carver. Nope. So it didn't feel like you just wanted me to let go on groomers and rip big turns, kind of like that Core 99 does or more or less does. Yep. But yeah. it has an interesting, an interesting shape. And honestly, a shape that's not very common. It looks and feels pretty narrow. Um, it doesn't feel like it has much side cut, especially it doesn't look like it has that much side cut. Yeah. And I think on the, my flash review, I called it, it looks like a wide mogul ski. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing then, I mean, the last thing I can think of is again, we always take into account like this weight difference between me and you, like you ski hard, but you're a light guy. And it's like, you are very comfortable skiing really big skis, but I was wondering a little bit here, um, you know, if I'm currently around between 175 and 180, and I was saying like in the belly of a, a big fast turn, I needed to just kind of relax. And the, and the more I relaxed at high speeds, the more compliant that ski felt. And I wonder, I don't, I don't know, but I kind of wonder if just the weight difference, if you weren't necessarily you know, skiing in a relaxed way at high speeds and, you know, higher edge angles or in making bigger turn shapes. If, if there is an element of just our simple difference in weight was also a factor here where you weren't activating something in that ski that was causing it to lock up. Oh yeah. I think that's totally possible. I think probably even more of a factor than my weight versus your weight is the fact that I skied it in really soft conditions, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that HDT really is activated by this vibration, you know, because mm -hmm. these, these like high frequency vibrations are the thing that's going to like really stiffen up that, that polymer. And that could have a lot to do with it as well. I think, I mean, one of my big takeaways was this ski is fun, but I only got to ski it in a very specific snow condition and I want to get more time on it because I've never skied anything like it. Mm -hmm. So it's curious hearing this idea of just like relaxing and that making it more compliant. I'll definitely keep that in mind when I get some more time on it. Hopefully when we're back in Telluride here in a couple of days. Yeah, we're definitely, uh, we're definitely bringing it back out and, um, I don't know, just, just so funny, but, uh, but yeah. And I mean, you know, again, I mean, I think that this, I, I still think, you know, I, I wasn't lying. I don't think I was wrong about my, my flash review, those in, initial impressions, but it's truly bizarre that I felt like I was really actively switching up my approach to that ski. And that very much got triggered by, well, you calling me a wuss, except, <laughs> except worse than that. And, uh, and then you just talking about, dude, I thought it was pretty easygoing and chill. And, and there, there's, that is my experience now, like relax a bit. And that ski is compliant. And, um, well, we'll say it for the last time. You've already said it a few times and I have too. I mean, it's just unique. 
I yeah. think I think we're both. It's really unique. It's kind of wild. I'm psyched to get more time on it. I just want to. I want to like. It's like a code I can't quite crack. I want to. Yep. I want to figure it out. You know. Yeah. Well, hey, that is uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. And I know um, you've got an early morning and stuff. And uh, you know, I want to let you go. Should I? I guess I will just ask. You know, give me like two minutes since so many people have been emailing us about this ski. Give me just two minutes on where you're at with that Scott Scrapper 115. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I've gotten that Scrapper out really in about two days. I've had it out several more days, but most of those days were in pretty poor conditions. Um, and the two days I've had it out in good conditions, we had a big powder, big powder dump out here in Utah and skied some powder, some chop, some just like soft pack powder bumps and stuff like that. Uh, you know, when I first got the ski, I was thinking it was going to be really similar to the G3 Sender, a ski that I really liked last year. Um, and the interesting thing is that that ski takes a variety of stances much better than the, than the Sender. On the Sender, I pretty much have to drive it constantly. And on this Scrapper, I was really surprised at how sort of forgiving it is to like kick back on the tails and like, you know, fire a slash off from the tails and transition back to forward and, you know, move from driving to getting like using the whole ski throughout a turn, for instance. Um, it was much more forgiving than the sender with sort of a similar top end. Uh, so far, I've been having a blast on it. I really want to get more time on it because it it needs, I think, a bit of a variety of conditions to really figure it out. Like I want to ski some firmer stuff, some corn stuff where I can really open it up on because it mm -hmm. definitely is a light ski and it doesn't have... It doesn't feel like it has a huge top end right now, um, but I'm, I'm psyched to ski it more. I'm really excited on that ski. Well, cool. Um, well, hey, uh, I mean, one, I'm, I got real selfish and was thinking like, yeah, I can't wait to ski that thing. Like, give me that ski, Sam. But uh, <laughs> you've still got some investigative work to do, uh, on that thing yourself. But, um, dude, it's so funny. And, and yeah, I, I, I actually, I am a little sad that our, our conversation about the, the screaming match about the renown is, is lost to posterity, but I, <laughs> I appreciate this far more civil conversation, uh, you know, that we've had, uh, tonight about this and, um, and yeah, this, this scrapper too. Um, uh, I, I look forward to hearing your, your fleshed out thoughts and then, um, who knows, maybe I'll even be so lucky to uh, get some turns on it myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's okay that our less civil conversations are lost. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a couple. <laughs> I don't necessarily need to relive those. <laughs> well, you know, you calling me names, it's going to, you know, sticks and stones. Wait, though, that's not making my point. Words really hurt me, so just keep that. I'm sensitive, Sam. Keep that in mind. Well, and, 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 and I don't call you names often, but I had a pretty strong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, hey, um, I'll let you go. I'll look forward to seeing you um, actually tomorrow evening uh, where we'll be back at it. And, um, yeah, safe travels and talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Take it easy, Jonathan. We're going to transition now from talking about interesting skis to discussing women's ski boots with Sasha Anastas and Kara Williard. And if you happen to notice some thumping in the background, that's just Sasha's six-month-old son, Rory, who apparently already loves talking about gear. Atta boy, Rory.
so we just got done talking about this uh, sort of rant slash fight that was happening between uh, Sam Shaheen and me about this Renownski. We're now going to turn to the other uh, latest kind of rant slash rage session thing that has been going on at Blister. And this has involved uh, our reviewer, Sasha Anastas, trying to find a new boot that actually fits her and works for her. So we have Sasha here, and she is joined um, by kind of one of our newer Blister folks who we all love, Kara Williard. And so we're going to get Kara's backstory here in a sec. But Sasha, we had you on that Gear 30 podcast from SIA. I don't think you told us kind of the bullet points on your background. Why don't you do that now? Um, Okay, well, I grew up in the Roaring Fork Valley, uh, which is Aspen Basalt area. Um, I grew up ski racing in that local ski program, which was Aspen Valley Ski Club. And then later on, ski raced in high school just for the high school team. And uh, then actually ski raced my freshman year in college for a Division three, just a University of Puget Sound in the Northwest. And um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty small person and I've got a pretty small foot. I think my shoe size is five and a half, six. So finding boots has always been um, problematic for me. Uh, I usually have to wear junior boots. So I was hoping that at this point in time, technology will evolve and it would be easier for me to find a boot. But yeah, I seem to be in the same uh, dilemma now. So, <laughs> Well, thankfully, we, uh, we have Kara here uh, to help us. And it's funny, like, Kara, I don't even remember when you and I first met, but it's kind of, you know, it's been this evolving thing and it's been like, yeah, we've got to get you more involved in Blister. And, you know, I've been telling Sasha and some of our other people like Kara's great. And now though, I think after the time we spent in Telluride, Sasha has taken the baton over like biggest Kara fan. <laughs> so uh. all, all I hear from Sasha is how great you are. So, uh, so, you know, one, thanks for being great. Two, um, thanks for helping out Sasha. And let's get into this, um, you know, this stuff about kind of women's ski boots. And to, to get things started properly, though, tell us a little bit about your really interesting background, too, and, and including what you're up to these days. All right. Absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. It's great to be here and great to be a part of it. Um, so I grew up in Santa Fe and pretty much learned to ski at Santa Fe Ski Basin. Thanks to my dad mostly for getting me into that and for, you know, pretty much consistently pulling me away every weekend to go ski. Um, as soon as I kind of became a teenager, I realized that I needed to find a way to ski that would be accessible to me. At that point, I was living in Albuquerque. So at the age of 17, I applied to my first ski shop and that's where I started to learn to boot fit. So here I am eight years later, um, you know, I go every year to annual certification course of master fit to get my boot fitting certification and currently i'm working for the boot doctors up in towski valley so a little bit of what sasha is going through i mean it's not unheard of i myself have dealt with a lot of boot problems mostly dealing with stance issues and those stance issues are kind of in a way women's specific so it is awesome for me to be able to have had experience in this realm and then to be able to transfer that experience into helping people find a good boot. 
Okay. <clears throat> Very well done. She's good, Sasha. <laughs> I told you so. <laughs> um, Thanks, guys. <laughs> so where where I got brought in on this was basically just before uh, our last Telluride trip, I started getting very angry, kind of curse-filled text messages from Sasha complaining about boots and the immediate need. She just was like, I'm fed up. Get me a real damn boot, basically. But Sasha is a tiny little person. Um, and so we have kind of talked about this and, and circled around on this from time to time, but it still feels like there is this issue um, of, you know, what happens if you are a small person who happens to ski well and hard, right? And so Kara, I think the question, my first question for you is how common of a problem is this? Um, you know, or is this just like, you know, as we said, Sasha grew up racing. She's a really good skier, um, but she's not like the world's most powerful person or anything. So as a boot fitter, how often are you seeing this? I mean, I will say that it's kind of, you know, treating it like there's one linear solution as far as like men's boots versus women's boots. Um, it's not unheard of to run into this kind of gray zone. And find women who feel very limited by their options. Um, for example, I had a woman on the bench about two weeks ago who is in this battle of either upsizing to a size 24 boots so that she can get a cuff height that is appropriate for her height and build, or if she wants to stay in her kind of more performance fit realm of a 23, 23, 5, she is having to use a short cuff boot. So there's definitely issues like this that we run into. It is not unheard of. I mean, watching Sasha ski, you can soon understand and see exactly why she would have run into these frustrations. And so, I mean, it is a problem. I wouldn't say it's super common, but that when it does happen, it takes like a little bit more you know, creativity. But in the end, it still feels like there's sometimes a shortcoming regarding women's boots in the ski industry. Um, like, I think this is one of the first years where I've seen companies start to look at releasing like a 120 flex women's specific boot, which I think is a great idea. And again, like being limited by size, um, sometimes where the stiffer boots start isn't always workable for like a size 22 foot. Yeah. And I want, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting was Sasha, one of your rants was that some of the boots that you were checking out were short cuffed. Oh, and, the short cuff thing. It kills me. And despite the fact that how tall are you? Don't lie. I <laughs> don't lie. Between five and three fourths an inch to five one. Right. So you're five feet tall. And uh, five one. Five okay. one would be more accurate. <laughs> and so as a as a five foot tall human being, you don't want a short cuff boot. No, I mean, I don't, I, I think that, um, you know, I spent the last five years in a Lang RX women's low volume. It was supposed to be a great boot and it was, but, um, I never fell in love it, uh, fell in love with it the way I wanted to because the cuff was so short. And for me, I lost a lot of stability, um, and response it seemed like with that short cuff. And so, um, I consequently ended up, I, I had a pair of Scarpa Freedoms that were 50-50 boots, um, meaning they're AT boots, so they have a walk mode. Um, 
and they were 120, so they were a stiffer AT boot, but they had a high cuff. So I, I would actually choose those boots over these laying boots, these all mountain women's laying boots, because they had a higher cuff. And um, for me, that was an integral part of the boot. And it was just something that I had to have, um, or I, I guess I should say wanted to have. And notice my skiing was definitely impacted by having a lower cuff boot. Um, as far as response time and getting my skis to respond um, in one kind of continuous motion. Mm -hmm. Kara, what's your take on the short cuff thing? I mean, are, are you able to say, you know, given your experience fitting women, that in general, going with a shorter cuff is a beneficial thing? Or are you like, I don't get this either? Um, I mean, I definitely understand like the first application of a slightly shorter cuff for women and like anatomically it's supposed to be based on the way a woman's calf is affixed to her leg. It's a little bit lower down than a man's, a man's calf. Um, so I understand like the application and trying to cater to that. But ultimately I feel like when you just kind of, kind of create those very like gender specific boundaries, it can be limiting. So then it's up to the boot fitter to kind of look past those boundaries and you know it's not completely unheard of for me to sell a men's boot to a woman a woman in which case you know she's getting that more a proportional slightly to the boot sole length cuff height and so um i see where they were going with it but it doesn't necessarily work in all situations and i think that it needs to kind of not be the most limiting factor when you're you know fitting anyone okay do you do you envision a world where we start seeing like more women's specific boots for going the short cuff? Well, pretty much all women's specific boots right now do have like compared to the men's equivalent a shorter cuff. So it's kind of already there. Mm -hmm. Um and I think there's other applications of a short cuff too like a kid racer who's you know skiing like a lang RS short cuff. So in that situation, it's not like a men's versus women's thing. It's more just looking at each unique individual and finding them an appropriate boost, boot based on, you know, what I'm looking at yeah. anatomically. So let's, I think, go ahead and let's talk about you guys ended up trying on, uh, I say you guys, cause Kara was very much involved in this process, but you know, you guys tried on a number of boots or got Sasha in a number of boots and let's just announce the winner since obviously like with boot fitting, as we always say, other boots that, that didn't end up working for Sasha could very well be the best choice for a lot of other people. But Sasha, you got real passionate and actually wouldn't shut the hell up about this, <laughs> about this boot that you ended up going with. What, what was the winner for you? Well, the winner was the Atomic Hawk Ultra 110. So um, it was kind of love at first sight. And I, I don't want to endorse that entirely. I actually set out for like the, I wanted the Lang Race Stock 120, like your good old fashioned Lang boots that had always been blue, a blue and orange of some sort. Um, but I, uh, you know, I was pretty sad to find out that the only size my my I'm a 225 mondo so the only boot that I could get in that was the short cuff so it's the junior boot essentially or the women's boot um 
And also to get to find that boot right now because it's March is um, is is a pretty um, big undertaking. So <laughs> enter Kara. Kara and I go down to. Uh, we had a great conversation on the phone before we ever met. And she's like, great, I think I have a boot. I'm going to bring up a boot that I think might work for you, but let's go and try a bunch of other ones on. Mm -hmm. So that's what we set out to do. Okay. Um, I I admit that I was slightly surprised that the Atomic Hawks Ultra ended up being the winner. Um, You know, I've reviewed the men's version of that. I like that boot. I think it's really good. But given your race background, I think... If I had to wager of the different boots you tried on, I it would not have surprised me if you ended up coming back to say it's not quite as much boot as I want. Um, Kara, were you surprised? I mean, in some ways, a little bit, just based on kind of like yeah, her background and everything. But at the same time, that uh, Atomic Hawk Ultra is a really fascinating boot for me because when you look. At the cuff height, it is inherently taller than pretty much all the other contenders that she tried on. And mm-hmm. for a 110, I think it flexes pretty true to that, especially considering the way they built it to be so light. Um, and then as far as just like low volume, really aggressive type race fits, particularly in the heel and ankle, we've found that boot to be kind of the winner in a lot of ways. So in some ways I was surprised, but at the same time, I think, you know, it made sense in the end, especially seeing her flex all the boots that she tried on and spend time in each boot. Well, it was amazing because the heel, um, so, so it was actually, it looks, when you look at it just grossly, it's like, it's a very narrow boot. So it's not as bulky um, as the other ones, like the Lang RX. Um, it's, it's very narrow looking. Uh, but when you put your foot in it, the most narrow part is the heel. It really cups your heel, and your heel doesn't move, yet it allows a lot of room in the toe box. I have a pretty narrow foot, so I think that's just my anatomy. But um, And I, I'm going to have to kind of put some more uh, volume in there to kind of get, you know fit better. But it, it was just um, the high cuff and then having my ankle feel so supported and the heel feel so in place. Um, was was what I mean by like, oh, wow, oh, gosh, this is love at first sight when I first put that boot on. Um, so I, I guess I was shocked, too. I didn't even consider the Atomic Hawk Ultra. I know Kristen, one of our other reviewers, had tried the AT boot, and at SIA, she was raving about it, and I just kind of ignored her because I was like, well, it's an AT boot. I, that's not even what I'm looking at right now. Um, so... It doesn't surprise me that that you know it came back around to this based on what she was saying. So, so yeah, it was it was uh, it was a really nice surprise, I guess. Kara, we got to let you get back to helping people uh, get into boots that fit. Um, what else do? We, is there anything we should cover here before before we uh, before we let you go? Um, what else should be said? Um, I mean, I will say, you know, there's like some linear aspects to boot fitting, like when you're looking at the volume of a foot or just the angles of someone in their boot and how, you know, lined up or flat they are. But as far as like each unique individual person, you know, I don't want anyone to feel like they're limited by, oh, this is a men's boot or, oh, this is a whatever boot. You know, it's good to keep those options open and as a good, you know, as a boot fitter and someone who's catering uniquely to each customer, I like to kind of, you know, push those boundaries a little bit and also just kind of open it up 
that like it's an option for a woman to be in a men's boot and that I continue to hope the industry will open these options up and create a women's product that is pretty much right on par with the men's. One thing that is worth mentioning is I know some of the companies, um, uh, based on what Kristen and I gathered from the trade show, are are moving to offering all their boots in sizes as low as 22.5. At least that's what they're saying. So I'd be, I'm pretty interested to see if that's actually what happens, um, you know, in these next, in the 2018, 2019 season or there afterwards. Um, but I agree. I think the women's specific boot is, um, can work kind of just like women's specific skis, which is a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's just so hard once you get to the lower sizes, how much more limited you already are. Um, and you can't ski a man's boot. I couldn't fit into 24 or five to save my life. Right. No matter what. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what, what the companies do in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, excellent talking to both of you. Uh, This is one where I had actually said in the the conversation with Sam that it is kind of a shame, but actually probably good that they didn't capture our screaming match about this one ski. Though I am extremely sad that I was not recording Sasha's uh, curse filled (laughs) rants about the state of women's ski boots. Uh, so that, uh, I'm just going to have to keep a, a tape recorder close, uh, whenever, whenever Sasha's around, but, uh, anyway, you know I would never curse Jonathan. Oh, that's Come true. On. You never you know, did. I've never, never I would never say a bad that word. That was an exaggeration you know on my part. Characters <laughs> assassination here. Um, but Hey, it's great to talk to both of you. And it was such a blast, uh, skiing with you guys. Um, I'm sad that, uh, we're not going to have you with us uh, over these next several days, but uh, we uh, I know I'm going to be on snow with you guys again real soon and uh, can't wait. Yes, absolutely. Can't yeah. wait. Thanks so much, Kara. Keep doing your thing um, and keep being our new favorite person. <laughs> right. Uh, and um, yeah, you're great. We're, we're definitely going to do this again. And, and uh, you know, we uh, we already have designs on some more round table stuff and um but uh, yeah, appreciate sharing the experience. And um, I'll talk to both of you real soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks. See you guys soon. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Sam, Sasha, and Kara for the conversations, little Rory for the delightful background noise, and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, for tying all of this together. On that note, I gotta jump in the car with about 20 pairs of skis, so I'm gonna go do that, and we will talk to you again next week, unless we see you first in Telluride. Take care, everybody.